This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you? If people send you the same generic conversation starters, they message everyone else. Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You are listening to Scoop B Radio. What's going on? I hope wherever you're listening from, you and your loved ones are safe during this COVID-19 period. Hey, this is the producer of Scoopy Radio, DJ Manio. I would just like to take the time out to give a big thanks for the listeners to the pod. We did record numbers last month. So on behalf of Scoopy and myself, thank you for the four years of supporting Brandon on his media journey. If you have a few minutes to spare, please fill out a short listener survey. Go to scoopyradio.com slash poll. You can also share your opinions about the show so we know what works and what we can do better. That's scoopyradio.com slash poll. S-C-O-O-P, the letter B, R-A-D-I-O dot com slash P-O-L-L. Don't worry if you didn't catch any of that. The link will be in the description. You're listening to Scoopy Radio with Brendan Robinson. E.K. Manny. Manny. L. Scoopy Radio. You know what's official if Barry Bond said, yo, the best in the business. That's word of Scoop. You either tune in to read the word of Scoop. He give you the business. He show you the proof. If Scoop B said, you know it's the truth. Sports and entertainment. He give you the mix. Some of the biggest interviews. He give you the fix. On iTunes, the number one podcast. The joint and the journalist. The GOAT. So why ask? Watch out. If watch he out. about it. If he naming them. ScoopD.com. Do numbers like Chamberlain. Pin game is a gift. Got the gift to gab. If he say it's gospel, it's as simple as that. Now pay attention and you can see the way it go. Enough of this talking. This is Scoop B Radio. You're listening to Scoop B Radio. Get on his Instagram now. At Follow Scoop him. B. At Scoop B. Follow him. Yes, sir. Scoop B Radio. Scoop B Radio. In your airwaves. On the plane. On the train. Everywhere you need to be, I am Brandon Scoopy Robinson. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Scoop B, Instagram and Snapchat at Scoop underscore B. And make sure most importantly that you subscribe to the Scoop B Radio Podcast, which is available on all streaming platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, TuneIn App, Stitch App, or simply by visiting a scoopbradio.com. 2.1 million streams last year. And one of the reasons why is because we have newsmakers like we have on the line right now. 
none other than my main man, Jared Greenberg from NBA TV and TNT. What's going on, sir? What's up? Nothing, man. Trying to stay corona-free and uh, being productive at the same time. I'd imagine you're doing the same thing. Yeah, man, going a little stir crazy, you know, missing missing the playoffs more than anything right now. I was I was looking forward to this playoff run more than more than most years, uh, just because of how unpredictable things were and you know the opportunities I I was in line to get uh, and and be involved with at, at, over at Turner. So you know, I thought it was going to be uh, one of the more fun rides, and and now just being locked up in the house is uh, is a tough time. But you're right, everybody's healthy. We've gotten the opportunity to do some unique shows over on NBA TV that we would never typically get to do uh, because of uh, everybody being locked up in the house. So, so those things, you know, I'm looking for silver linings, but definitely missing hoops. Board in the house and in the house board. Uh, you, That's right. <laughs> you have you have been um, one of the things that I've watched, um, particularly this season, is the, the Tuesday night games. Um, where you've done some sideline reporting, as I used with hands and a few other people. Um, what is something I remember? There was a Celtics game that you did, if I'm not mistaken, um, throughout the season. What is something um, as a sideline reporter during Celtic a Celtics game that you noticed about that team? While everybody's paying attention to Milwaukee, everybody's paying attention to you know Philadelphia. What is something about the Celtics? Um, that you have noticed um, this season that maybe the general public may not know. Scoop B Radio. Well, I, I don't know if it's it's stuff that they don't know, but I, I think that there is a genuine um, like for one another. I think there there's there's more trust in that locker room than there than there has been in recent years. Um, it seems like they're having more fun, and it's almost like they're more free flowing. Um, you know, the, the one thing I've gotten from the Celtics this year is that, you know, Kemba is so aware of what is going on with his teammates on the court, you know, where in past, and, and this is not to take shots at anybody, but in the past, there was kind of like a class system, like mm-hmm. certain guys had to get certain shots at certain times. Now, it's if Jason Tatum is going off, then Jason Tatum's got to get the ball, you know? If Kemba Walker's going off, Kemba's got to get the ball, right? Like it's just more awareness of what what is going on, and 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 that and that builds confidence, it builds camaraderie, the chemistry is there, um, and it just seems like they've gotten back to having a little more fun than, than they had been the previous couple of years. One of the things that I have uh, noticed about you uh, during NBA TV is obviously the games where you're going back into to classic mode and you're looking at some of the classic games. One of the games that sticks out to me uh, that you, you went and revisited was the, I believe it was the 94 NBA Finals between the New York Knicks and the Houston Rockets. Um, take me back. You were young. Uh, watching. Yeah. What are things uh, that you see now that you probably didn't see back then that you're like, wow, is it the flow of the game? Is it the players on the floor what do you find interesting going back and watching the 94 finals well you know going back to that series i mean the, the thing you know this the craziest thing for me that i that sticks out is the whole oj drama that was going on during the finals right like that that to me was the craziest part and like you know being young and thinking like you know watching bob costas do the breaking in and 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 kind of 
letting people know what's going on. And they had like the, you know, the, the double box where, you know, one of the, one of the boxes is on the game and one of the boxes is on the helicopter following the, the, the Bronco. Um, but, but that series, I mean, just how physical it was and, and how much hatred there was. And, and I don't know, man, like, um, you know, I, I don't like to say any era or generation of basketball is better than the other because I think it's all evolving. And I think like, I you know, we have, I think we have better athletes now than we ever have before. So it's tough to even compare. Like, it's tough to look at the old school films and not think that like guys from today's day and age would just, <laughs> we, we would just go to town on, on all these, you know, guys from like the, the fifties and sixties and seventies. But, um, you know, it's just, there, there, there was, um, I don't know, like mid nineties basketball is really cool. Just like h- how much passion there was, you know, like you, 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 I think, there, I think passion might be the right word for it. Like just how much more of that there was uh, to, to beat the other team. No, that's real. Scoopy Radio on the line with Jared Greenberg from Turner Sports. Little known fact, you were my camp counselor at the Bruce Banner right. and Eagle Sports Broadcasting Camp at the Yogi Bear Museum in Montclair, New Jersey. That was fun. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, and did your year, did, did Yogi pop in your year? He did. Yeah, that was, that was crazy stuff, man. Yeah, it was. It was. Um, I remember you being in, coming home from school, watching NBA TV. You were at the old digs, uh, at the, at the, at the NBA, um, office in Secaucus and you were yeah. in the studio. You left and you went to News 12 and then you came back to Turner. What is something you learned about yourself from your first stint that you carried over to where you are now at Turner? Well, you know, for me, um, you know, just like yourself, you know, you and I kind of have similar paths in that we started really young. We knew what we wanted to do, and we started networking with people. Like, you're you're one of the greatest networkers in the history of uh, in, in the media business, just reaching out to people, building relationships, and following up with people. Um, and so I, I, you know, tried to do similar stuff, and... Um, in doing so, I knew I wanted to do, I wanted to be in this business. I didn't necessarily know what role. At first, I thought I wanted to just do sports talk radio. Then I thought I wanted to do play by play. And then, you know, I got into the studio and started doing stuff at MSG Varsity up in New York. Mm-hmm. And that's where I really learned. And that's where, you know, from, from my first time doing NBA TV when I was in Secaucus, you know, right across the street from where the replay center is now. Mm-hmm. From then, getting the opportunity to to be in the studio every day at MSG Varsity and be on the desk anchoring shows, anchoring sports highlights, I really learned a lot more about myself. You know, it's just like an athlete in a certain extent. Like you got to do it, you got to practice, you got to get reps, you got to get better, you got to figure out what you're good at, what you're bad at. You know, fail a few times before you can get up and figure out how to do it right. And so for me, doing almost three years at MSG Varsity. And probably being on the desk for thousands of shows, it really got me prepared for being back um, on the desk on a regular basis in Atlanta when I moved down to work for Turner. Uh, because, you know, I just I hadn't done it enough for my first time. You know, I look back and, you know, if I go back and watch some of those tapes from those caucus days, I probably cringe like, what the hell am I doing? First of all, what am I wearing? What am I wearing? You know, like, <laughs> unbelievable. And so like now where it's like, you know, 
Um, maybe I still wear questionable outfits, but the bottom line is like, I'm, I'm more seasoned. I'm more, I'm more prepared for the moment. And, um, you know, I think the thing too, is when, when you're, when you're doing just one sport, like, like, you know, you and I just focus on basketball, um, on one hand, it's, it's easier because like you only have one sport to, to learn, but because you only have one sport, you've got to really master it. So you've got to really study it on a daily basis. And even if you're taking a day off, you can't really take a day off. Like you're not, you can't ever get away from it because you, you, you always want to be in touch and in tune with what's going on. And that's helped, that, that has helped me be prepared, but it's also been really challenging because, um, you, you got to really, really continue to evolve and, and learn it and meet people and, and, and study it. And, and it just, it takes a lot, which listen, I'm not asking anybody to feel sorry for me. Like I love it and I wouldn't give it up to the world. Uh, but it's, it's, it's made me a better broadcaster over time to really make sure I'm prepared for every moment because now when I'm doing live shows, you know, like I go back to March 11th, um, I was doing what we call crunch time on NBA TV. It's our version of, of red zone. You know, I'm there to, to bounce around from game to game to game. And I'm there just to, you know, um, show the biggest moments of the night and, and take a national audience for those big moments and alert people. All of a sudden we, on March 11th, we get away from doing any of that because all we're talking about is the NBA announcing that the season is being suspended due to coronavirus, right? So, like, you just got to be prepared for any moment and ready to know how you're going to handle those situations. John, I'm going to tell you, I was watching that, and I said to myself, is Jared an NBA TV host or he's on CNN? Because you were right. carrying that, man. You you, you, you yeah. legitimately were, 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 were poised, stolen, but also, like, what the hell is going on? Like, it was a lot going on at one time. And, uh, you know, that was that was a caveat moment, if I may say so, um, and watching you because you legitimately were, you know, obviously you had people in your ear during it, but you were doing the work. You had tweets pulled up. You had you had the conversation to kind of, you know, bringing in the, the, the viewers of what's going on. One thing I, I, I'm curious to know is, um, I, in, in talking to various retired players on NBA TV, uh, did you kind of get a gauge of, you know, I think some of the guys that are, our, our veterans that are, you know, broadcasters with you, how any of this coronavirus pandemic halt reminds them of the first NBA lockout in the late 90s? You know, it, it, it's interesting. I, I, I've not heard anybody say that, but but you're not the first person to ask me that, which is, it's interesting. Um, you know, for me, uh, just a quick second, like uh, my, my getting hired at Turner back in 2012 got delayed because of the 2011 lockout. I, 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 I probably would have gotten hired a few months earlier, uh, but we didn't find out until what was it like? This was coming back. So I got hired in the first week of January, 2012. So for me, like I look back on that time where it's the same. It's like, you know, obviously people aren't losing their lives. There's no health risk, but we're just standing still waiting and waiting for an answer and at the same time, we know ultimately at some point it's going to come back. Things may change, but it's going to come back. And, um, and, and I guess another difference here between, you know, lockouts and this is that like you're waiting to get a season started as opposed to now we're waiting to finish a season, right? Which is that, that's kind of a unique situation. But, you know, I really haven't spoken to anybody about it, but you're, you see, again, you're not the first person to ask me about that, which is interesting. I maybe I should look into it a little more because it, it there are a lot of similarities where you're just like in this holding pattern and you know it's going to end but you just don't know when it's going to end and and the other the other part of it too is 
you know, with, with, with a lockout is that you like to think that guys were taking care of their bodies where they could go to gyms, they could work out with one another, they can get on a plane or get in a car and go travel to be with their teammates or even, you know, other guys that they know around the league. Now, I think that one of the most more challenging parts of this is that, like, there's a there's a higher risk of injury when we come back, and there's a higher risk of guys just not having picked up a – I've spoken to multiple players who have told me they've not picked up a basketball since March 11th, which is, like, dudes don't go two months of the year ever without picking up a basketball. And now we're going to ask them – to go two or more months without picking up a basketball and go right into the playoffs. Like that's again, not asking anybody to feel sorry for me. If, if that's what we have to do, that's what we have to do. But basketball may be pretty ugly and playoff basketball is supposed to be the prettiest basketball we see all year. And, and we may see some ugly basketball. And unfortunately we're probably going to see some dudes get injured. Yeah. And it's crazy because hearing that, and, and, and I've heard that well, Scoopy Riggle, along with Turner, Jared, but I've heard that, the not picking up the basketball portion, and to me, what's surprising is what it, the imagery it gives. It's almost like basketball tryouts the day after Thanksgiving. Whoever thought of that back is crazy. Right. <laughs> it's like right. how do you yeah. go from maybe not working out, eating good, gaining some weight to uh, bouncing a ball? That's that's kind of like that's scary. <laughs> it, it is. Uh, it, it is scary, and you wonder at what cost we're doing it too, right? Like. Are we doing it because we legitimately want to crown a champion or we're supposed to just finish this off? Or is it just the economics are so rich that we can't afford not to do it? You know, so I don't know. What's one thing you've learned about yourself um, or one thing that you've done? Uh, it may be more than one thing, not just one thing, but what are a collection of things that you have uh, learned about yourself um, outside of broadcasting and basketball? Since when? But like what the corona during the coronavirus pandemic that you've been home. Oh, um, that I could I could go back and sleep like I did when I was a teenager. Like <laughs> I could pick that up real quickly. <laughs> um, you know, I I think um, you know for me what's been interesting just on a personal side is that uh, I, I got married seven months ago. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> my wife and I are going through the first year of marriage being you know locked up together in a in a two bedroom condo here in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, and we actually like each other. It's, it's actually worked out pretty well. Um, <laughs> you know, um, for, for us, we, she was fully anticipating me being gone for almost two months. Um, you oh. know, doing, being on the road, covering playoff games for, for TNT and NBA TV. So, you know, to be, go from 180 degrees different where, you know, I'm typically on the road and, and not like literally like last year. I was on the road for three weeks straight and did not come home once. Um, so like she's adjusted it and to that to now where it's like, I literally have not left the house since March 11th, you know? So, um, you know, that type of stuff. And I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to work out a little more. Uh, but, uh, I don't know. I don't know how, how much that's helping. <laughs> uh, but you know, like I said, some of the, some of those just to look for silver linings for myself. And I know you asked for outside of basketball, but like, you know, I think that, um, you know, some of the opportunities we've gotten to do talk to some players about stuff, you know, looking back, like we did the, uh, game six of the 26, 20, uh, 19 NBA finals of the Raptors. We, you know, I did a show with Zach Levine and Trey Young and, and just some of the shows I've done 
um, have been so different from anything that we would ever get the opportunity to do that I have taken the opportunity to find silver linings in all of this. Uh, and then not to mention, you know, like we're all in like this Zoom world now, right? Like, I, I'll be honest, like I, I never heard of Zoom before the coronavirus. So I've honestly seen my family, all my families up, you know, in the Northeast living in New York and New Jersey. I physically have seen them on the screen more than I ever have because we get on these Zoom calls uh, that prior to March 11th, we never did this type of stuff as a family. You know, I talked to them on the phone once a week or once every other week or whatever, and that would be it. And, and now, you know, because we're all, you know, in the house, bored and bored in the house, that we just, we we just get on the phone late night and, you know, do these Zoom calls and have a couple drinks together. It's great. No, that's real. Uh, you talked, me and you were texting yeah, earlier this week talking about, the Raptors, and you mentioned the Raptors doing the Zoom calls and or you know online and and, and having uh, discussing the Raptors. What is? Why do you think? Um, maybe not. What do you think? When you look at the Raptors uh, from last season, I, I spoke to Phil Handy recently and and, and talked to him about the Kawhi Leonard uh, comparison and the Pascal Siakam comparison with Scotty. You being on the road last year during the playoffs and seeing the Raptors and seeing them play in the finals, do you see any comparison between the Raptors and the, the iconic Bulls championship runs with Michael and, and, and Scotty Pippen? Do you see a comparison between those two teams? Uh, I really don't, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I think maybe to the extent that, you know, if you're looking at Tiakam, a, a, a two-way guy who, you know, kind of came out of nowhere, um, but, you know, the thing, the thing that's impressed me about Pascal Siakam, and he'll be the first guy to tell you this too, is that, um, he has, he has significantly improved his game year over year, every year. Like nothing with him ever stays static or goes down. And I think that's the scary part for, for a guy like him and a team like the Raptors. I don't know, you know, I, I I think, you know, I've been, you know, not to pat myself on the back here, but I've been calling Pascal Siakam an all-star for the last three years. I knew he was going to evolve into that, having covered the Raptors as much as I do and, and watched his game. I, I really felt confident about that. I don't, with that said, I don't think he ever evolved into the Kawhi Leonard stratosphere, who's in contention for being the best player in the game. Um, but I think that... The sky is the limit, though, for Pascal, and that's why there's so much unknown. And in this case, unknown is a good thing because you just don't know how much better he's going to get, and that could be significantly greater than it is right now. I, I, I just think he's such, he's such a good dude, first of all. He's, he loves the game, and the fact that he continues to get better and better and better, um, and I think defensively he'll continue to get better as well. Um, so, you know, I, I don't necessarily see those comparisons with with the 96 or, or any of those iconic bull teams, but or or with Scottie Pippen to a certain extent, because sure. I think they're much different players. But, um, you know, I, I just think the world of, of Pascal. Do you think the Warriors will make, will try to make another run at some point in the next five years? Yeah, I think next year. I think it starts next year, you know, whatever that is with them. You know, I, you know I've been one of these guys who, who's been saying for years, that even after winning back-to-back MVPs and being the first player in the history of the NBA to win unanimous MVP, Steph Curry is still one of the more underrated or underappreciated players in our game right now. I don't understand how people don't recognize what this dude is capable of and what he's accomplished and what he's done. Like, 
we talk about this age of the three-point shot. He was so far ahead of everybody in that. When the rest of the league, players were trying to make 200 three-pointers in a season, this dude's making 400 threes in a season a couple of years ago, right? Like, he was doubling what the best shooters were doing. And the thing about Steph Curry is that I continue to say, you call him the best shooter of all time, you're almost disrespecting him because he's so much more than just a shooter. Yes, I do believe he is the greatest shooter of all time, but I think more than that, he's one of the great point guards of all time. What Mm. this dude does to disrupt defenses is unbelievable. Like, you watch the Warriors' offense, and you can give, you know, you can give uh, many of the assistant coaches, and you can give Steve Kerr credit, and maybe you can go up to Bob Myers and give him credit, but the havoc that Steph Curry wrecks on an off on a defense by never stop never stopping moving is unbelievable he makes you work so hard to defend him that even if he doesn't score 50 in a game your legs are so spent because you've had to chase him for miles literally miles throughout the course of the game that it's going to affect your own offense and i think when you pair him back with clay thompson who's got an injury that most players recover very well from and, and Clay Thompson's one of the great shooters of all time. Like, I get it that they don't have that third guy just yet, but I would take those two over most threesomes in the NBA. Hmm. You were passionate about this, sir, I must say. I, I was, yeah, I, I really am. Because <laughs> it, 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 I don't know what it is about Steph Curry, man, that people just don't, they don't want to acknowledge what he's accomplished and what he's capable of. I, it, it boggles my mind. I think number one, it has a lot to do with. Um, I think there are people who believe that the Warriors got lucky in 2015 because Kyrie and uh, Kevin Love got hurt. Okay. And I think LeBron did a, a wonderful job in those circumstances carrying that Cavs team. It just wasn't enough. So they did it the first time, they won. But then they came back, what was that, 2016? Um, yep, and they lost. lost in the 2017 they brought KD I feel like people think when they brought KD in you know KD was the human cheat code and I think that people just don't want to give him his props because he's a second generation player his dad Dell played I think that, I think that, yeah, that, 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 that is the laziest thing and I get I get what you're saying that people say that but that is the laziest because if you say that and you've not done your homework you don't know Steph Curry's story at all like yeah. he wasn't a dude because of Dell Curry that 50 Division One colleges were like, oh, we want Del Curry's son on our team and we'll give him a scholarship. No, no one offered him a scholarship. The dude went to Davidson. Like, mm-hmm. like even when he was going to be a lottery pick, I remember I was, I was covering the Knicks at the time of Steph Curry coming out. The conversation was, all right, this dude's going to be a lottery pick, but is he really going to be a starter in the NBA or is it going to be like a, a Manu Ginobili sixth man type of guy? Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's what people were thinking about him. And then he comes, then he has all these ankle injuries and, and he gets the most team friendly contract for any superstar in the history of the league. Like we talk about Scottie Pippen making uh, bad money. The reason why Kevin Durant was able to be on the Warriors was because Steph Curry was making what, like 10 or $12 million a year when his peers were making close to $20 million a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You said best shooter of all time. You put him ahead, yeah. Reggie. You put him ahead of, yes. of Bird. Yes. 
Yeah, that, Bert, you look at Bird's numbers. Bird, Bird was not very efficient. Hmm. No, that that's. I'll tell you something. I was having this conversation with my cousin last night, and he's younger than me. And he was like, "Man, he goes, Steph Curry. You know, people hate on him, but you know, he takes care of business." And then we start talking about Ray Allen and how you know Ray Allen transitioned his game from you know being like Ray Allen wasn't just a jump shooter. I think younger people right. get that mistake, and he was a, you know he was a guy that went to the basket and did his thing. You know, I even look at Zach Levine, and I think he's making that transition now where he's not just known as a dunker. You know, he's, he's, he's becoming a floor general, an all-around player. When you look at Steph, I feel like when he got that injury, um, and then he was hurt for some years, our, our fellow Hofstra, Charles Jenkins, filled for him a lot, you know, his rookie year. But when I look at Steph Curry, um, I think he's a guy who – like you said, the point guard spreads the floor, creates, the, you know, draws double teams, able to kick out to the open teammate. He can shoot. He can dunk when he has to. Um, yeah. But I think he's just a cerebral guy. I just think that – I think you're right. I think he was ahead of his time. I, I look at Dwight Howard in that same vein at the center position. A lot of stuff that these younger guys are doing now, Dwight was doing 10 years ago and was being criticized for it. Yeah, I mean, my thing that I've always said about Dwight is is he he's a vic- victim of his age. If if Dwight Howard had grown up and and been in the NBA in the '90s, right, mm-hmm. he would have been a power forward. He never would have been a center because he's not not as big as most centers. Mm-hmm. He would have been a power forward, and the numbers and his defensive presence would have been appreciated a lot more. Now, I'm not trying to say that he would have been better than Malone or Barkley right. or or any of these guys, but I'm just saying what Dwight Howard accomplished was, was, was he was a victim of time and circumstance where he, and, and, and being on the magic, like the worst thing that happened to Dwight Howard, let's be honest, was that he was the next Shaq in Orlando, right? Like if, if, if Dwight Howard had been drafted to, I don't know, New York or Atlanta or wherever, those comparisons to Shaq wouldn't be there. And he was a totally different player than Shaq. And again, uh, for a dude who what won Defensive Player of the Year three times in a row, and 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 his rebounding numbers were like again much like Steph Curry's shooting. You know, Dwight Howard was reba- rebounding at a rate that that nobody could keep up with in 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 his uh, in his in his heyday. Yep, we're on the same page, sir. When you look at the big man position today, um, I think. It's, we play positionless basketball. I mean, we live in an era now. I remember there was a rating system where they talked about like the top 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s players in 2000s, 2010s, and they lifted Draymond Green as a center. And it's like Draymond Green, but then you look at Kareem, you look at Russell. Like you can't compare, but you know he's one on the Warriors. Um, I, I guess my question is for you: when you look at the big man position in the NBA, um, you know. Towns comes to mind as people will list him as a center. Anthony Davis, uh, DeAndre Jordan, um, and more. Um, how do you draw the line between center and power forward? Yeah, I, I think it's kind of a, a ridiculous conversation at this point because you really, you really can't. Um, you know, like you know, I remember I, I did a, I, I had a report over the last summer, um, right after Anthony Davis was acquired, and I spoke to some people at the Lakers and. Uh, basically, you know, they were going to have cousins, and then cousins got hurt, and they were like, "Listen, Anthony Davis doesn't want want to play center, you know. We so we're not going to force him to play center. You know, we'll find another way to put him at the power forward." And that's just the thing. And listen, if if we're going to criticize guys, and I've been I've been 
heavily uh, critical of, of Anthony Davis not wanting to play center. I think it at times it has and it has the potential to hurt the Lakers. I think they've overcome it. You know, we've seen it <laughs> fairly well so far this season. But um, you know, let, let's go back to to Tim Duncan and for whatever reason that that was in place. Like he was the center on on the Spurs, but the Spurs never listed him as the center, right? Mm-hmm. So he goes down into the argument as the greatest power forward of all time. And like, is that is that fair? to Carl Malone or to Charles Barkley or to anybody else you want to put in that conversation because Tim Duncan really didn't play all that much power, true power forward. He played center, um, you know, for, for in his peak prime years and, and the minutes on the court. So, um, you know, I, I don't know where to have this conversation. Like, I just wish, and I think, I think the conversation has to start with the NBA, um, with the all-star game, and then more importantly, with, with all NBA. Um, you know, I, I've had the privilege the last several years of, of being a voter for NBA awards. And the thing that is the most difficult thing to do is when you vote for your all NBA teams and you vote for your all defensive teams, you have to select two guards, two forwards, and a center. Mm-hmm. And it just doesn't make sense to do that anymore. Um, I know this would hurt. This would be a difficult transition and it would be a to- totally you know, new way of doing things. But we just need to go with the five best players. Like nobody cares that, 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 that you're a forward anymore. They care. The conversation is who's the best five players. So for the all-star game, for all NBA, for all defense, we just need to list the five best. Like when we talk about, when people say, at the end of the year, because there's three all-NBA teams, first team, second team, third team, oh, these are the 15 best players in the league. No, it's not. It's the six best guards. It's the six best forwards, and it's the three best centers. It's it's not the 15 best players. So if we really want to get into these conversations, which I think are part of what makes basketball so much fun, like sometimes we want to bang our head against the wall with these conversations, but Mm -hmm. they'd be a lot more fun to have if we could truly – have them along the lines with how the game is played and how the game is coached so to make it a more um, more fair conversation and an easier not, not necessarily easier to make I think it actually makes it harder to, to identify the 15 best but but I just want to talk about the best players not the six best guards or the six best forwards and the three mm-hmm. best centers mm-hmm. you went to Hofstra um, and I was reading an article uh, by Neil Best back in January and it says you bought season tickets to Hofstra men's basketball game, but you didn't go and you had them donated to, you know, a local charity of choice. You must really love Hofstra basketball, sir. No, I do. I do. And, you know, my thing about that was if I lived in, in New York or New Jersey and was close enough, I, I'd be going to the games. Um, you know, I've gotten really close with the coaching staff there. I think they've done a great job. They've developed some great players. They put a guy in the NBA in the last couple of years, Justin Wright Foreman, who's playing in the G League of the Utah Jazz. Um, you know, I, I wish I could go and support them, but if, if I can't do it, I, I'd rather, you know, make sure that somebody else who maybe couldn't afford to go and maybe wouldn't think to go uh, gets the opportunity. You were out there during the days of Speedy Claxton. Um, and- Why you- I missed him. I missed him by a year. Speedy was a wow. year older than me. Yeah. Okay, so when you were so when you were there, was Jay Wright still there? No. So Jay Wright's um, last year was my senior year of high school. So uh, he he had just left to go. And the craziest part was there was all these rumors, and and he knows how true they were. But like, had Jay Wright not gone to Villanova and had he stayed at Hofstra, there was this 
conversation um, that they would have gotten like the greatest recruiting class at Hofstra that next year uh, for any mid-major school like ever. Um, and it was going to be unbelievable some of the names that, that were supposed to be. And who knows that they actually would have signed. Nobody ever committed to going to Hofstra, but there was this group of kids in, in the Northeast that were just going to go with Jay Wright no matter where he went. Uh, most of them ended up going with him to, uh, to Villanova, but um, no, I miss Jay Wright by a year, but I've gotten to know Jay, uh, Coach Wright over the last couple of years, and, and he's been incredibly kind to me. He he loves his Hofstra roots, and you know he knows where he came from, and he he's always great about giving back, and 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 um, you know he, he he has a lot of respect for for the, the Hofstra guys. No, that's real. Uh, I think I asked you all the questions I need to know. I guess the last question I have for you is: um, if the NBA season is to resume. Yeah. Um, what team do you think would surprise folks? Um, not name Lakers, not name Bucks, not name Clippers. Hmm. Well, I mean, my my pick to win it all has been has been the Clippers. Um, I'm a little worried about them, especially now, in that they've had this approach where they felt like. They could just flip a switch and once the playoffs come, they'll be able to win games with the amount of talent they have. And that's kind of bothered me that they've only played a handful of games with their full roster healthy and available. Um, but outside of them, um, I, I, you know, we go, we, we started this conversation talking about Boston. I, I wouldn't put them in the conversation to win a championship. Um, but I think they're a team that has a guy who's knocking on the door of superstardom in this league. And by knocking on the door, I'm not saying he's walking through that door just yet, but he's got the potential to. And I, I think, you know, I, I felt coming into this year that if Jason Tatum were to surprise people and become an all-star, then that means that big things are happening in Boston because you know Kemba Walker is already at all-star level. So I, I would say probably a team to pick would be Boston um, for me. But with that said, uh, that's the that's the mentality I had on March 10th, right when all things were going to be quote unquote normal. Now, because we have no idea what to expect from all these 30 teams uh, and the 16 that may make the playoffs, you know, our guys keeping themselves in shape, our guys who have been injured going to be available to come back and play. Have guys gotten injured? We don't know about it over the last two months. Are guys going to get injured uh, because of uh, you know the lack of of, of ability to be in game shape. So I think there's so much unknown. Like I, I said earlier that I felt like coming into this playoff run, it was going to be the most unpredictable playoff year we've had in a long time. Um, well, if we do get back to the playoffs, <laughs> I, I think it's going to be even more unpredictable than we ever even thought, just because of how things have been, uh, you know, so weird over the last two months. That's real. <clears throat> Sir, here's the good news. You are off the hot seat. <laughs> Oh, it, it didn't get that hot, man. <laughs> it was it was it was lukewarm. Yeah, lukewarm. <laughs> I appreciate you, B man. You're you're. I appreciate your hustle. You've been working hard for a long time. I'm really happy for all your success, man. I can't wait to see uh, what you continue to do. And I, I really appreciate that you have me on here. It's been uh, you've had a lot of big name guys, and I guess uh, you ran out of people, so you decided to have me on. But I, oh, I appreciate no. you giving me the call. We look. We just got him in a stash. We just haven't dropped it yet. We wait for last dance to go off because when that happens, you know what's going down, <laughs> brother. Thank you. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you.
And this is Scooby Radio saying, you bring the coffee and I'll bring the Dunkin'. Kaboom! Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait. Is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. On Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.